Well, it is a wonderful and beautiful Easter morning this morning. Amen. And uh, praise God, we celebrate resurrection today. And that's Amen. a wonderful and beautiful thing. Amen. That's right. Amen. Can I say something? Yes. Uh, I had Fox Station uh, on today, and uh, I, I didn't think anything about it. I thought it would be all secular. And they talked about the resurrection and Jesus, and they, they talked about uh, they had had the pastor on that had was invited to that breakfast that they criticized, mm -hmm. and he, but he was on, and they visited with him about Jesus and the resurrection and everything. So I was real happy over that. Yes, that's uh, good. Yeah. Even in this very secular world we live in, his yes. good news is still Amen. spreading. Yes. Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning I want to start off, and I'm gonna, I guess, be a little different because that's just how I am. I'm <laughs> a little different. Um, I'm going to start off in the first chapter of John. I'm going to read uh, with you John chapter 1, verses 10 through 18, and then I'll, I'll give you an idea where I'm going with this. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his yeah, own not. did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And that is the title of our Easter message this morning, is Grace and Truth. And that's what it's all about. Um, if anybody's ever seen The Passion of the Christ, a uh, wonderful movie. And in one of the scenes, it's, it's not strictly biblical. It was uh, Mel Gibson elaborating a little bit. But I love this one scene. And it's when Pontius Pilate is sitting with his wife and he says, what is truth? What is truth? And that's a problem that not only did everybody face back then, but we still face today. Yeah. What is truth? Right. We are all looking for truth. Mm -hmm. Truth is fact. It's not opinion. Mm -hmm. Truth is something that you believe in wholeheartedly. Truth is something you'll give up your life for. And for Pontius Pilate, truth was that Caesar had control of his life. And that whatever decision he made that day, it was based on the fact of what would spare him his own life. And so truth was that to Pontius Pilate, his God, who he worshipped, was the world. And that is so often as it was with all the people who stood there and said, crucify him, crucify him. Their truth was of the world. And today, we still see that so much, where our truth is of this world, but not of eternal things. 
So this morning, I want to go through just a little historical review of our truth, of our truth in Christ Jesus. And this week is a wonderful week, and I, I, I love the Holy Week, as some call it, because you have Monday, Thursday, and you have Good Friday, and then we have Resurrection Day today. And I love being able to just take the bits and pieces and break them all down. But I don't think we can really have a Resurrection Day, an Easter Day, unless we tell the whole story. Because it's the Resurrection is beautiful and it's wonderful, but it's not all there is. It's everything that happens. So, a little history. The Trinity existed before time, before space, before anything, right? We had Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, and it says in Genesis, with God came down on the darkness of the universe, all three were there with him. And he breathed his spirit and said, let there be light. And all things, as we just read, were created through Jesus. Man was created in his image. And then we have the Garden of Eden. You know, we often sometimes hear and we, and we cry out ourselves sometimes, why do these bad things happen? Why are there bad things in this world? Why, why would God allow this? And we forget that there, there was a perfect utopia. It did exist. There was a perfect relationship with man and God. And it was in the Garden of Eden. Man... Adam and Eve, I say man, I mean both sexes, walked with God every day. They talked with God every day. The sunset was their favorite time to gather together. Think about that. Walking with God. And that's sometimes something that's very elusive for us. We can't really understand that because our truth Sadly, becomes the world. We see what we see and what we touch is our truth. And we forget that faith is not about what we see, but it's in the unseen. And so we had, we had in Genesis the Garden of Eden, that perfect truth between human and God. But of course, God gave us a choice. And we were duped and we chose incorrectly. And there was the fall. But God already had his plan established. And yes, it took thousands of years over time for that to truly come about. But all that took place because God's ways are higher than our ways. And he thinks differently than we think. And how could we truly understand what God had given us if thousands of years hadn't passed and been documented in the Old Testament. Every scripture, every prophetic word pointing to the blood that Jesus would shed for us. Pointing to the fact that he would die for us. Pointing to the fact that he would rise for us today. And that he would ascend back into the right hand of the Father. See, truth and grace at this point collide. And they come together. And God does the impossible. He does the unthinkable. Where the creator, the one who created man, created man in his image, becomes the creation. 
He becomes flesh. God steps out of eternity. He steps into time and space. And he becomes one of us. He becomes flesh. And so a lot of times we think, oh, or you hear, oh, you know, why would God allow the fall to happen? And, and, and why did the, the, he allow all this evil to come into the world? God had a plan. God had a plan and he was willing to restore all order in the entire universe of this fall by bringing himself to us. You don't get anything greater than that. That God himself would come to us, would take on our form, our flesh, that he would feel our pain, he would hunger as we hunger, he would bleed as we bleed, but that he would also find joy as we find joy. And God became the creation. The creator became the creation. And by doing so, he became and stayed that perfect lamb to make what was wrong right. To go to that cross as he did on Friday and to sacrifice himself willingly for us. Willingly. You know, I've, I've heard many things where people say, oh, it was the Jews who killed Jesus. Mm -hmm. You hear that a lot. It was yeah. Pontius Pilate who mm -hmm. killed Jesus. Yes, amen. It was all of us. Every single one of us brought him to that cross because he did it for every single one of us. Remember in Scripture, Jesus says, I willingly lay down my life. Nobody forces me to lay down my life. I lay it down for you. He laid it down for us. Yes, the turn of events made it seem like maybe it was the, the Pharisees' fault. Maybe it was the crowd's fault. Maybe it was Pontius Pilate's fault. No. It's all of us. We all have a debt that we could not pay. He went to that cross willingly. And remember, he could, like Pastor West said, he could have had a legion of angels at any point come down and take him off that cross. Just like when he was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, he could have turned that rock into a bread. He had the power to do so. He is divine. Yes, he's flesh as us, but he could have flipped the switch real quickly. And turn that bread, that rock into a bread. But he didn't. Because it wasn't in Father's will. And we see that in the garden. You know, the agony it must have been on his human form. We hear Jesus crying out. You know, take this cup from me, Father. But let your will be done. And he, to the end, he let God's will be done. To the point where... He was separated from God for the first time in all of existence. Jesus was separated from God because he bore our sins. Hence why he says, Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time in all of existence of anything, Jesus was separated from God. Because he had to be to bear our sins. That was the cost. That was the price. They had to be separated from God and die for us to bear all those sins. 
that his blood on that cross would redeem us. And then that comes to, of course, the, the glorious grace of the resurrection. Uh, sometimes I think uh, we get so caught up um, and we forget. I, I almost forgot this past Good Friday. That Good Friday is good. <laughs> you know, oh, Jesus has died. He's on the cross. He's dead. Oh, our God is alive. Our God is alive. And that's why it's Good Friday. It's good for what he did for us. And yes, it's sad. And we watched The Passion that night. And I cried and I cried like a little baby. As I do every time I watch it. But it's good. It is good. And now it's even greater. Because now we have the resurrection. We have the resurrection. And so I want to read uh, John chapter 20 this morning. Which is, as you know... One of the, the resurrection stories of the four Gospels. But John by far is my favorite. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. And while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. And so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter, and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, Yet he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came into the tomb first went in also. And he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their homes, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels while sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had laid. And then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she supposed that he was the gardener, and said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she returned, or turned back to him and said, Rabbi. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my God and your Father, and to my God and your God. Now one of my favorite parts about this part of the resurrection story 
um, an author I enjoy reading, his name is Frank uh, Viola. He talks about the symbolism of Mary thinking that Jesus is a gardener. Now we know that this tomb was in a, a garden close to the skull rock, I mean to go, uh, <laughs> the place of the skulls. <laughs> Forgive me, I got a little tongue-tied. And we know that there was a garden, this is a brand new tomb. But if you think back to what we were talking about first, before the fall, it was the Garden of Eden. And there's an amazing symbolism there to, to see Jesus as a gardener once again. Because now, because of the resurrection and the soon-to-be ascension, that, that fall, that, that, that thing that keeps us from God is being restored through Christ Jesus. And through Jesus, we are allowed to have that same relationship that we had with God, just like in the Garden of Eden. And so there's an amazing symbolism here that Mary sees Jesus as a gardener because the garden has been restored. Praise God. Amen. Amen. He has brought it all back. And so because of the resurrection... And because of the soon-to-be ascension, there is great grace that is just abound in everything that is happening. But at the same time, we must remember it is truth. You know, as we read the resurrection story, this is truth from the witness of Mary and Mary, from the witness of Peter, from the witness of John, from the witness of the uh, disciples that were on the road traveling that Jesus came to and spoke um, to Peter and John and the other five disciples when they were fishing in the boat, to all the disciples that were gathered together in the room when he appears, to Thomas who did not believe, and Jesus says, put your finger in there, feel for yourself. There is great truth mixed in with this grace, this grace and truth glide. Now in John 14... Verse 1. Jesus says, let, your heart, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. Grace and truth colliding. Amazing grace that he is restoring for us that relationship between us and God. And at the same time, it's truth. It's truth. He says, believe in it. Believe in God and believe in me. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Glory to God. Jesus is the gift. He is the way. He is the restoration. The restoration back to God. Back to our relationship with Him. And not only does Him coming out of the grave give us that glory that He is alive. That He was human and died. But now, 
He's God again. He's divine. Right? He's no longer human. A lot of times, you know, it's easy to forget to not see Jesus as, as human. Because so often we, we relate to him as when he was human. We relate to him when he was in the flesh. We relate to him when he went to that cross and died for us as the lamb. But he, he rose up out of that grave, not human. Oh, no, no, no. He rose up out of that grave back with God and ascended into heaven, the right hand of the Father where he had always been. And now he's right back where he started before he became one of us. But a lot of things have changed since then because of everything that has taken place. And so now we have great things that are available to us because our God is alive and because he died on that cross and restored that relationship and because he's going to ascend into heaven for us, we have a lot of gifts now from our Lord. Gifts like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a thing. The Holy Spirit's not a ghost. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's real. And because Jesus went to that cross, and because he rose up out of that grave, and because he ascended into heaven, he is alive in us. Praise God. Praise God. And John 14, verse 15. Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Not just part of the time. Not just some of the time. No. By restoring our relationship with God, he gives us the Holy Spirit to abide in us forever. Forever. The Spirit of of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you I will not leave you orphans I will come to you and a little while longer the world will see me no more but you will see me because I live, you will live also. And on the resurrection day, they did see him. And they did see that he lives. And then when he ascended, and on the day of Pentecost, they understood how he lives in them. And we have all these glorious gifts available to us right here, right now. This had all taken place for us to be able to live with the kingdom of God inside of us. To have Jesus alive in us with the Holy Spirit. And that's why today is such an amazing and glorious day. Because of the resurrection and then to the ascension into heaven, everything has been restored. We are free from sin. We are free from the curse. His blood has redeemed us. He rose out of the grave. He is alive. He is not dead. He ascended back into heaven with God himself. And now 
We have this perfect relationship that we can have with God again while we're here on this earth, and it will be totally perfected and restored when we go home. We have a home to go to. We are not bound by death anymore. And there's just so many beautiful things, but that's the good news. That is the good news, is that death has been conquered by Jesus. That God is alive and he is inside of us. And that we will go home to be with him for all eternity. He truly never will forsake us. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That the garden has been restored. And as it says in Revelations, it's called a new Jerusalem. But it's the same thing. It's all symbolism. It's all the same thing. In Romans 6.23, Paul says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, and in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Remember that verse as you walk today, and remember that today He rose from the dead to bring glory to the Father, to bring glory of the kingdom of God and that we may have Him and be with Him, and abide in Him. Because we were bound by the wages of our sin, which was death. But God has given us a free gift in Christ Jesus our Lord that is eternal life. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.